Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hello, friends, and welcome to a conversation unlike any other, our Sunday Conversations, brought to you by the Golf Strategy Academy and Golf Strategy School. Whoa, hold up. That's all good and fun, but what we're doing here is we're talking to real golfers just like you, people who are struggling with consistency, struggling to break 90, and we are digging deep, finding out what's holding them back, and helping them make a plan towards success and achieving their goals going forward. And with that being said, let's bring on our next guest. Hey, Golf Strategy School, what's up? My name is Marty Griffin. Thank you for joining me on another one of our Sunday Conversations. Today, I am talking with Matt Stewart, a new golfer out of Georgia, who's, again, rubbing in the fact that he's still playing golf, and I'm not in November. He's coming in, usually averaging right in the, the upper single-digit hundreds, kind of 105 to 108. He was telling me that his best score he ever put together is 101. So he's, he's definitely excited to play golf. He plays with his friends because that's kind of the, the thing that they've transitioned to. And we are just really excited to welcome Matt onto the podcast today. Matt, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing real good. Excellent. Well, you know, like you were saying, you've been playing for like just, you know, just barely over a year, just about a year. Just here. about a year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what has, what has been your experience in that first year for a lot of people, especially like myself included, I've been playing for 25 years. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to recall like all the details of that first year of golf. So, you know, what has kind of in a nutshell, what has that first year been like for you? Well, it's been a total learning experience from pretty much going to my first golf course to like ever hit a ball with the intention of, you know, making a, a good shot to learning the etiquette of the game. I'm still picking up stuff all the time. Every time I go to the course and to now I've gotten to the point where I feel like I need to fine tune my playing so that I can shoot a better score. Yeah, it's kind of interesting once you start to kind of grasp what what you're supposed to be doing, how things are supposed to happen, you feel like you have a little bit more control. It's funny how a lot of times that will kind of spike those competitive urges, but a lot yes. of times it it also spikes the expectation of ourselves. So with that in mind, do you have any specific goals set out for like your next year in golf? Well, the first one would obviously be to break 100. That is lingering over my head, and I really want to accomplish that goal. But other than that, I mean, I'm enjoying playing the game. I, I don't really get 
too upset or frustrated when I'm out there. So I just really want to continue to enjoy it, but at the same time, you know, um, get better um, so that I can enjoy it a little bit more, make a few more pars, maybe even a birdie every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when we're talking about breaking 100 and how that's that kind of next year's goal for you, why is that such an important figure? What, why is breaking 100 so important? Well, for one, the people or the buddies that I play with, they are all, I guess, good enough to put up low 90 scores and high 80 scores and to be behind them by 10, 15, sometimes 20 shots. It's kind of embarrassing in a way, but I want to be able to shoot what they shoot and give a little bit more competitiveness towards them. Let's be honest. You want to be able to, you want to be able to turn the knife on them a little bit more than they turn the knife on you. Yes, I do. No doubt about it. (laughs) I used to play with uh, my, my high school golf team. They would be doing like wrestling moves on each other, like stone cold stunners on the tee box. It was the most ridiculous thing to watch, but looking back, like, you know what? That probably prepared me a lot for, tournament golf because there's all these distractions going on all the time and you know i i thank them for that because when i go out and i play with my buddies now because i've been playing for so much longer than they have they're constantly trying to screw with me like you know (laughs) golf towels flying at me during the swing like coughing sneezing you know that kind of stuff and it's because because of those those idiots in high school it doesn't really bother me that much. So <laughs> I, I definitely know what you mean by having to be able to perform in, in front of your buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have, have your buddies been playing golf compared to you? Um, I would say probably one, two, three, probably five years, average around five years since they first started playing. And I just didn't get on the train when they got on it. And so I'm trying to catch up now. Yeah, well, that's not too bad. I mean, if you're in your first year of golf and you're already, you know, pushing that threshold of 100, that's actually quite impressive. A lot of people are just really struggling even to put up, you know, consistently into like the 110s in the mm-hmm. first year. Uh, with that being said, you know, how much how much do you normally get out in practice? Obviously, you've got a longer season down in Georgia, but mm-hmm. what does kind of like your weekly practice schedule look like? Uh, right now, it's very minimal. Um during the summertime, we were able to go out because the days were a little bit longer. We could get on the range, you know, after work and just hit two, three, four buckets of balls just till we got tired. But now it's become a little bit harder to get out there due to the time change and whatnot. So it's about the only time I get to practice is if I go play or if I, if I have a little bit of time off from work where I can go to the range and work on things. Got you kind of sneaking out on the weekend for a yeah. quick round or something like that. I'll definitely do that if I can get the chance to. So I guess in the summer then, since that's your, your peak time, what does, what does that practice schedule look like over the summer? In the summertime? Yeah. Um, probably one and a half to two hours on the range. Um, and kind of, I don't want to say no direction, but just kind of going through the clubs, I'll, hit a club if I hit two or three good shots with it I say okay that's not what I need to work on at the moment I'll come back to it and then just kind of move through the through the irons and down to the wedges and whatnot gotcha and how many times a week is that happening in the summer uh during the summertime it was probably 
at least once a week, maybe two to three times, depending on how how tired I was after work. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I got I got two kids. I absolutely know what uh, time crunches and exhaustion can do mm-hmm. to a golf game. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're talking about how you go through. You just kind of work your way through the clubs. You know, if it's if it's flying well that day, maybe we just move on quickly from it. Focus mm-hmm. a little bit more on the clubs that don't perform as well. How often, when you're playing on the course, do you get to hit the same club twice in a row? Twice in a row? Ooh. Yeah. Well. Full disclosure, this is a trick question. <laughs> All right. Well, then it shouldn't happen, but I'm not going to lie. It has happened before when I've chunked a chunked the first shot and then had to go to it and hit it again with pretty much the same club. So. It's okay, definitely so, happened, but it shouldn't happen. So when, when we have kind of like that catastrophic failure, it, yeah, it, when the it catastrophic might failure. happen. It might happen in that circumstance, but ideally mm-hmm. we're not really hitting the same club twice in a row. Are we right? Yeah. Yeah. So why are we practicing same club twice in a row? That's a good question. Now that you brought that point up. Yeah. When, you know, when, when I hear people, they go to the driving range and they, they call it practice because they're hitting their golf clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my eyes, that's exercise, not practice. Okay. Like you're building some muscle memory, but more importantly, what you're doing is you're training your brain that it's okay to get it right on the second or third or fifth or 10th time mm-hmm. when on the course, you only get one crack at it. That's right. So what I like to do is I like to have people, you know, you could take, depending on how many different golf courses you play, uh, you know, you could just take a handful of cards from all the different places you play. And then just kind of simulate around on the driving range. You know, if you, if that first hole's like a 385 yard par four, okay, well, what would I hit on the driving range? What would my fairway be? Hit that shot, you know, plan it out, play it just like you were on the course, do your whole pre-shot routine, all that jazz, hit the shot, figure out how far it went and then, you know, play into the green from there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good way to, to train your brain that it's got to get it right the first time rather than you know building in this this false safety net of ah that's okay i'll take three or four or ten swings at it okay to get our you know our good shots going because we hear all the time that like oh well you know i can't take my game from the range to the course Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm pro on the driving range but then when i go out and play it's 110 115 and it I'll go back to the driving range. And as soon as I step back on the driving range, I look like Freddie couples or tiger woods or whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's kind of with the intentional focus of the practice. So that's just, it's, it's something I, I hear a lot. So I kind of jump on it in that direction. You know, if you have, if you have an hour to practice before you go play golf, what would that look like? An hour to practice before playing. I don't yeah, know so that like, I've ever done that. <laughs> you just pretty I probably much should do. find yeah, the just, time to play the, play the golf, and that's what we're doing. We're show up, yes. you know, shoes show on, hit the first tee, and yeah. I mean, I that's how I have to do it most of the time, just because of you know availability of time. I just don't have a lot of time for golf. But just if you had an hour to practice before golf, what would that look like? It would probably be to hit the clubs that I feel like I would end up using the most throughout the day. So probably more of the seven, eight, nine, 
the wedges, definitely the driver, and then maybe one or two long irons if I had to choose. Probably something along those lines. Okay. How much time are we spending on and around the green? Compared to on and around the green. Um so are we doing like forty five minutes on the range, fifteen on the green, or half and half? What do you think it would be? Um, the times that we did this summer, because I haven't done it in a while, but this summer we would um hit on the driving range and then we would go play like little putting games on the putting green for probably forty five minutes to an hour. We'd play just different rounds of putting games we could come up with. Nice. That's that's awesome to hear because what most golfers don't realize is that 70% of their shots come inside of 100 yards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're thinking about it like a business, if we have 70% of our revenue coming from one place, that's probably where we should be spending the majority of our time. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome to hear that, that you and your buddies, you know, do putting games because anything that makes it game-like mm-hmm. is going to be that much better. It's going to impact you know, your performance going forward that much better. So that's really, really cool to hear. Um, You know, do you feel like, you know, in our kind of questions that we were talking about ahead of time, you know, you said, you said that you, you struggle with consistency and you know that you can break a hundred because you'll put together three or four real nice holes and then it'll just all fall apart kind of in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. What, what's going well? in those three or four holes what's really kind of saving your rear end um what saves my rear end would be probably my second shot and i feel like most of the pars that i've had have been on like mostly par threes and par fours but it's that second shot i can i can live with a with a rough tee shot something that doesn't you know just blast down the fairway or land on the green but i feel like the second shot is um probably what what allows me to save those pars. So you feel like you're pretty confident with your approach shots? Yeah. Anywhere like my seven and eight iron, I definitely feel the best with those two probably over any other irons. Gotcha. And how far do those normally go? Mm, I usually try to keep my eight somewhere in the mm, probably 140. No, no, I don't, you know, I'm not going to hook it out and hit it 150, 160. It might happen if it's windy, but probably eight iron around 140, seven iron. I tend to keep it in 155, 160, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. So depending on the length of the courses that you normally play, Mm -hmm. do you feel that you can pretty consistently put yourself in that distance, kind of a 140 to 155 ish off the tee? Do you like, is that is that driver off the tee to get to that length, or is that maybe like a hybrid or a five iron? You know, depending on the length of the course, it's obviously going to change. But mm-hmm. do you feel like your tee shot could pretty consistently put you in that like one forty to one sixty range? I feel like for the most part, yes. The course that I play the most, I think my tee shot normally gets me within that close, very close to one fifty, if not a little bit shy of it. Okay, gotcha. And the reason I ask is because if you have a club or in your case, a couple that you feel pretty darn comfortable with, mm-hmm. if you can put yourself at that distance more frequently, you're going to be playing from a, a place of confidence more often, mm-hmm. which is obviously going to give you a 
better chance to succeed because a confident golf swing is going to be a more successful golf swing. And if you can kind of pair that with uh, Dr. Bob Rotella is kind of the, he's like the mental golf guru. I guess you could say he's written several books on uh, mental golf. One of the best ones is Zen golf. He's actually like the, he's a sports psychologist and he works with the university of Virginia and he works with like all their sports teams on how to approach the games mentally. And he says for golf, you should take a conservative target. So like aim for the big part of the green, aim for the middle, you know, play it safe target wise, and then make a confident or a cocky swing. So he says conservative shot, cocky swing, and that will put you in better outcomes overall. And if you're, if you can consistently play from your, you know, like 140 to 160 range with those clubs that you really do have a lot of confidence in, you pair it up with that conservative target line and you're going to start seeing a lot more pars show up on that card or more importantly, a lot less, you know, eights, nines, and tens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for those catastrophic holes. Does that sound like something that's that's kind of doable for you? Yeah, I definitely think I could, I could manage that a little better. So there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, the driver gets in the hand and they feel like they got to put it on the green. (laughs) and they just get you know they just get out of control in a hurry it's one thing if you have like a justifiable reason to put a lot of oomph behind it but most of the time we're really only putting ourselves at further risk by trying to kill the driver definitely same concept even works off the tee conservative line confident swing if you know that it's a slice today play the slice it's okay as long as you know where the ball's stopping you've won the game really yeah, taking that that approach can can really help in those situations. You know, when we talk about your goal of breaking 100 in this coming year, have you made any plans in terms of how to achieve that this next year? No, I would I would say I have not made any plans on how to achieve that really. If you had to kind of shoot from the hip, what would maybe the start of that plan look like? I would say definitely more 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 actual practice time. And um, using the sort of method you you spoke about earlier, um, not using the same club over and over. I definitely want to try that now that you've mentioned it. Very cool. With that kind of thing, it's important to, at the very least, change your target. If you are going to hit the same club more than once in a row, you mm-hmm. have to, at the very least, change your target. I would prefer you change your club too, but you know, I understand if you've got 15 minutes before you're playing and you just need to get stretched out and you, you know, you run through like wedge seven iron driver or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had those days, <laughs> but you know, if, if you're actually like setting aside time to practice on the range to have an actual purposeful practice is huge. And it's important to really kind of follow it as if you were playing the game. So go through your whole pre-shot routine and another, it's, it's a really little thing. It's a stupid thing in a lot of ways, but it just flat out works is, you know, when you're at the driving range, don't dump out the golf balls, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. leave them in the basket or leave them in the bag and set that, you know, that bucket of balls, set it a good three to five steps behind you. I mean, just set it right next to your golf bag. That way, in order to hit your next shot, you have to fully remove yourself from the previous one. Walk back to your bag, take the next ball, take the next club, 
and then you're kind of starting fresh. And it's it's yep. little things just like that that can have a a seemingly small impact in what you're doing in the moment on the driving range, but then it starts to translate onto the course with the scores. Yeah. yeah. So is that something that, I mean, it, I know it looks goofy and your friends will probably give you grief about it, but is, are you willing to put up with the grief to shoot the better numbers? Well, I've, I've actually already been doing that particular method. I don't, I prefer not to just scoop one ball with the club and bring it back to me. I, I might dump them out, but I physically grab each ball and like, pull it to where or set it where I'm going to hit at. So I've already been doing that. So that's good. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge first step. A lot of people do what I call rake and fire and that's just Mm -hmm. up seven iron thwack. Yeah. A little on the toe thwack. Oh, there we go. There's a good one. Let me just get like three good ones in a row and then kind of move on. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. I mean, I think you're actually a little bit ahead of the game, Matt, if you can, if you're already at that, that step where you're cognizant of the just rapid fire on the driving range being a bad thing. It's a, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction, especially for a newer golfer like yourself. You're, you're avoiding all the bad habits before they become habits. Definitely. <laughs> Trying to, at least. It's, it's a reset button I wish I could hit for myself. I think that when it comes to golf and when it comes to improvement, especially for higher handicappers, just to kind of take that step back and ask yourself, you know, what is my plan for improvement? I know that I like to go out and play. I know that golf is fun. I know I want to do that more and I would certainly love to do it better, but to kind of think objectively about what is our plan to improve. I think that is it's a nice, easy first step. So if it's okay with you, Matt, I'm going to give you a bit of homework. All right. I want you within the next week to, I'm pretty sure we're friends on Facebook to message me on Facebook or shoot me an email and just let me know what your plan is going to be for improvement in the next 12 months. And I just want just like, what, what's the average week going to look like for you? So you know that you're going to get better at golf. Does that sound okay. like a plan? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, very cool. That is all we have for today, Matt. I want to say thank you again for coming on and sharing your stories about your experiences. It's really cool to hear people who are fresh into the game and what they've experienced. And that the fact that the game of golf isn't dead and that, you know, there are plenty of new people coming into the game and there is a ton of fun to be had out there. So Matt, thank you again so much for joining me today on our Sunday conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you again so much to Matt for coming on the show. If you would like to participate in our Sunday conversation, all you have to do is go to golfstrategyschool.com slash interview, and you can book your spot on my schedule to be on the Sunday conversation. If you just want some help with your game, head on over to our free Facebook group. And I jump in there usually a few times a week to, you know, ask poignant questions, see what people are working on. A lot of times I'll add some supplemental stuff to the podcasts that we're doing. So it's a really nice way to just get maybe a little bit extra out of the podcast. That again is Golf 101, How to Break 90. You know what? Go ahead, just bring up your podcasting app. I'll put a link to that group right in the show notes on the app. All you got to do to get in there is just answer the three questions and I'll approve you. Until next time, everyone, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers.
All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of the this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.